This is the Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher. Bear. Behind the glass. Bear, how you doing? Fine. I feel like... I haven't worked in two days, so I feel like I haven't been here for a week. <laughs> you feel like you're starting a new What's career. What's going on in um, sports? Is that what we talk about here? Yeah. Sports? Well, we haven't done this show in like a week and a half because I was in on the midday show. And even yeah, though I use the same microphone and computer, I, it's like I don't know how to use it now because it's been a week and a half. Um, we've got March Madness going on tonight, and I think that's where we will start because as unknown as this tournament was, it's been a lot of fun, and it's especially been a lot of fun if you are a Pac-12 fan. Um, a little bit like you're left out of the party if you're an ASU or a U of A fan. But Oregon State is still in this game against Houston. And then UCLA and USC both playing tomorrow. I mean, it's not inconceivable, Bear. We could have three of the final four teams be Pac-12 teams. Not likely, but not inconceivable. So, How's your, how's your bracket doing, by the way? So I made the mistake of make of doing two different brackets like with two different groups of people. And at the last second in the second one I switched away from Gonzaga to win the whole thing cuz I didn't want to have the same winner in both. And of wow. course the second bracket's the one where I had like USC going to the Elite 8. Like I actually have a chance to win. I just looked today and realized that's the one I have Illinois winning it all. I don't think Illinois is going to win it all. I got to be honest. What with them having been eliminated a week ago. But uh, yeah, it's been fun and um this Oregon State team, it's just a fun story. If they can, it's regardless of what they do tonight, it's a, it's a fun story. But they have, they've been an entertaining team. I mean, that is, it's a team that ASU split with this year. They're right now, they're down 52 48 to Houston with about six minutes left in the, uh, in the second half there. Yeah, 52 48. I mean, they were getting smoked at halftime, but they have managed to come back in that one. So it's, uh, it's been a fun tournament. I've, I've enjoyed having the, uh, just having March Madness back in general, because that was the first sport that kind of went away last year at this time. And it got so lost in the shuffle of like, okay, wait, spring training's getting canceled or delayed and then baseball's getting pushed back and basketball and hockey are getting paused. And what are we going to do about the Olympics? March Madness got just sort of scratched so quickly. It was, I think it was March 12th that um, I don't think I fully appreciated how much I missed it until it came back this year. Even though my bracket has been awful. Just awful. But yeah, the Pac-12, they're making this one interesting. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. There, we did it. It took me eight minutes to get the computer turned on, and I did it. Well, I can't hear myself in my own headphones, so that's... (laughs) Let, let this we're, be. We're having issues. A lesson to never give Cody or I more than one day off in a row because we don't know what to do now. Uh, the Phoenix Suns with a win yesterday morning. That was <laughs> an odd start time against Charlotte. One hundred one ninety-seven. Not the greatest fourth quarter for the Suns, but they continue to win despite not finishing these games all that strong. We're going to talk to Kellen Olsen at the bottom of the hour and kind of. Get some of his thoughts on whether there are reasons to be concerned. It's hard to be critical of a team that's 31-14, and 14, but there's also, I guess, you could make the very, very compelling case that if you are getting out 
played and outscored in the fourth quarter consistently when the playoffs roll around, that's obviously going to be an issue. But for now, 31-14, and 14, right there near the top of the NBA standings, Devin Booker, another 35 points. I mean, this, it's, they continue to be a fun team to watch. They, um, it's not just because of the winning. I mean, the winning obviously helps now. The expectations have been raised considerably. Talked about this with Bickley a lot last week when I was in for Vince uh, during the day. You know, the trade deadline came and went. Now we're seeing players, buyout players, get picked up by other teams. Suns aren't making any moves, which is fine because they they believe that this is, you know, they've got the group right here that they need, and that's that's great. But um, the bar has been raised, you know. I, I, was, I was certainly one of those people at the start of the year that was like, okay, I think they can finish... You know, I figured, I figured between four and six at the start of the year in the Western Conference. Uh, and they're obviously going to finish higher than that, or at least it looks like it. But my whole thing at the start of the year was just get in the top six so you don't have to get pulled into that play-in round where you're going to have to play like San Antonio or Dallas or whoever in that seven to ten range. Just get in the top six. Make the playoffs. Show up in the playoffs. Don't get, like, swept in the first round. But, you know, just, you know, at least go deep in that first round series. Well, that's all out the window when you're 31 and 14. And it's also out the window when you have Chris Paul and he's playing as well as he is in general overall. And uh, and he's got the team playing as well as they are. I know Chris Paul's been a little up and down lately at times, but he's got the team playing very well. You you only have two window, two years of this window where you've got Chris Paul and everything set up like this. So, I mean, my expectations have changed drastically. I, I expect a first-round win at this point. I'm pretty confident they can win in the second round too we talked about this a little bit last week though I mean Denver in theory has gotten better Denver I also just think is good I mean at the end of the year when you're talking about one team being three games behind you but they are playoff tested uh, Denver's certainly a threat as it stands right now Denver and the Lakers would play each other in the first round that could not work out any better for the Suns as far as I'm concerned because to me those are the two teams that scare me the most from the Suns' perspective, Denver and the Lakers. The Lakers, assuming they get healthy, it's not like I think Andre Drummond's going to suddenly come in and, and take over by himself, although it's, it helps. Uh, but the Nuggets, just because they play the Suns tough anyway, they were already, you know, they, they had a lot of playoff experience and success last year, and then they go out and add Aaron Gordon, JaVale McGee. So, like, Denver's, Denver's a tough team. I, I would love nothing more than for those two teams to meet each other in the first round of the playoffs, and right now they're lined up. Uh, to do so. Right now, the Suns are lined up to play the Spurs, but uh, you got to go through that whole 7-10 to 10 thing anyway. Major League Baseball, the D-backs opening day is Thursday. Does it feel like opening day is Thursday? They um, didn't perform all that well today in spring training. One game left against Cleveland tomorrow. They lost to the Cubs 7-1 to today. You don't really care about the results, although as much as I don't care about the results... D-backs have won one game since March 16th. Uh, they've got a lot of ties mixed in there, but yeah, just one win in that stretch. I mean, your spring training record means absolutely nothing. This might mean something, though. Caleb Smith goes out there and gives up seven earned runs in three and two-thirds today. And what did he say afterwards, Bear, that he, he typically doesn't have good spring trainings anyway? So, okay. Well, good to know now, Caleb. Um, Yeah, that's... uh. We'll get more into the D-backs in a little bit. We're going to go through some of our main questions for this season. We'll play a, a little bit of what Tori Lovello had to say. I, here, I'll play this clip right now because he did mention the um, the rotation for this team. The starting rotation, the opening day starter is going to be bum. Um, obviously a well-deserved. 
honor that he's done many, many times. Uh, and uh, I know he's excited by it. It, uh, it was something I talked to him about post outing the other day. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's opening day. And I know that he's going to he's going to um, be proud to take them out for the Arizona Diamondbacks on day on game one. Um, behind him will be Merrill Kelly. Uh, day three will be Caleb Smith. Day four will be um, Taylor Widener. And then uh, the day one starter in Colorado will be Luke Weaver. So that's your D-backs rotation. Also, I got to just break in here with this. Oregon State has tied this game 55-55. A long banked three-pointer. Houston, the two-seed in that region. Oregon State was supposed to be the worst team in the Pac-12 this year. And uh, right now they are tied with Houston with about three and a half to go. So we'll keep you up to date on that one, certainly. And the NFL inching closer to that 17-game schedule that was inevitable once the players... I mean, a bunch of stuff was tied in there. It's not like the players went to the owners and said, hey, why don't you go ahead and extend that schedule? But that got lumped in there with a bunch of other things, and the players ultimately voted in favor of giving the owners the option to add a 17th game, which not surprisingly is happening almost instantly. Where I am a little shocked, I mean, I shouldn't say shocked. The owners always get what they want in the NFL. It seems a little unreasonable for them to say, okay, we're going to add that extra game. We might be able to knock off one preseason game, though. Like, thanks. A regular season game is more wear and tear on your body anyway than a preseason game. So how about you knock off two preseason games? And the quotes I've seen are owners being like, we think we could probably get one of those preseason games out of there for the players. Like, you're not you're not doing anybody a favor. First of all, the preseason's meaningless. We just saw that. If you want to have one game, okay. If you're going to go with two, fine, because I understand you can't... Things don't get negotiated that, that quickly where you go from four to one preseason games but don't act like you're doing the players a favor by dropping it from four preseason games to three preseason games when you are extending the actual regular season so that's the nfl doing what they uh what they do and that said of course i'll be watching all 17 games but uh, i'd be a little upset if i had to play an additional game sort of like alvin kamara was who said it was flat out dumb Uh, he said some other words too but (laughs) dumb is the one i can say on the air all right, when we come back, get back into the Cardinals a little bit. I haven't got to talk about them much on this show lately because we haven't been doing this show for the last week. But uh, a little bit more to the uh, Larry Fitzgerald rumors and what are the Cardinals doing at a, an offensive position that I think is very important for them to fill. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Luke Lipinski back here with you. It is the rundown here on this Monday evening. Getting to a little Cardinals football here. It, uh, it appears to be gathering a little momentum nationally now. That doesn't mean anything's going to happen. But... Um, Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk talking about it last week. I've seen a few Buccaneers blogs now talking about how, you know, Larry Fitzgerald makes a lot of sense for the Buccaneers. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams because he's somebody that you can plug into a role where he's going to give you more than just stats. And yeah, he's not going to be a number one or even a number two receiver. But on a team like Tampa Bay, he could step in and, and I think contribute without, you know, he's not going to demand seven targets a game. Bickley, Dan Bickley has a piece up on, on ArizonaSports.com right now talking about, um, you know, Larry Fitzgerald has essentially earned the right 
to go win a ring somewhere else if, if that's what he chooses to do. And the only reason this is really coming up now is because it's March 29th. Fitz still hasn't announced a decision. I mean, I still think he's either coming back here or retiring. I, I can't picture him playing for another team. But this is all very, this is uncharted water. Like, it has never been like this before. He, he gives us, uh, you know, an answer in February, and then he's back. I mean, it's always been, oh, okay, I'm coming back. It is a different game now when you have Tampa Bay out there and you have Tom Brady specifically, who, if he wanted to, could call Larry Fitzgerald and be like, hey, look, Fitz, it worked for me. Come down to Tampa Bay, okay? We just won a Super Bowl. I'll get you the ball. Win your ring down here. Bruce Arians is here. Todd Bowles, you got a bunch of people you know here. And um that at least that 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 does complicate things a little bit. Normally I would have before before Tampa did what Tampa did, I would have always just thought, yeah, forget it. It's either Fitz is either retiring or he's coming back to Arizona. And I still that's still where I would lean. It's one of those two, and I I, I still kind of think he's just gonna retire, to be honest. I made this point last week, though. I don't think there's anything Larry Fitzgerald could do that would upset Cardinals fans. Like, maybe I should word that better. Nothing he could do that would make Cardinals fans angry at him. It's going to be upsetting if he leaves and goes and plays somewhere else. If he goes, he. I mean, I hope he at least gets a ring if he goes somewhere else. But the thing is, like, when do we get to the point where people don't need to leave here to get the ring? They can stay here. And that's... That's that's why I don't think he's going to leave because in football there is no there's no guarantee. This is not like basketball a couple years ago where it's like okay just get on Golden State or Cleveland and you'll be in the finals every year. Just because you're on Tampa Bay doesn't mean you're going to the Super Bowl next year. Anything could happen. So I just I I can't imagine him leaving unless he was essentially guaranteed a trip to the Super Bowl. And I get that Tampa's about as close as you can. Tampa and Kansas City are the two teams that, that are as close as, as you can get to making that guarantee. But neither one of those teams is guaranteed. It's the NFL. So I, I, I still have to think that ultimately he's either coming back here or retiring. But it is just, it's, it's very weird because it doesn't, it doesn't really seem like he's coming back, does it? At this point, it doesn't seem like Larry Fitzgerald's going to be playing for the Cardinals next year. That obviously could happen, but it just doesn't seem like it right now. Which is frustrating just in the sense where that means his last game as a Cardinal, if he retires or leaves, was a game he didn't even play in that they lost to the Rams with a chance to go to the playoffs. Uh, The other thing I wanted to get to with the Cardinals, though, is there was talk last week about potentially bringing in Colt McCoy. And it's funny because (laughs) this has been something that I've been really kind of hammering since the end of the uh, the regular season last year, of just whatever you do, get somebody in here and 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 just somebody that can that can play quarterback, that has experience at the NFL level. So what just happened last year doesn't happen again next year. And I want to be clear, I'm not blaming Chris Strevler. Like Chris Strevler, I don't think was put in a position to succeed. I'm not I'm not sitting here at this microphone saying, well he's the guy that doesn't have a career and well, he shouldn't be in the I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that if you're the Arizona Cardinals and you have gone all in on this season, and make no mistake, you have gone all in on this season when you go out and get J.J. Watt and A.J. Green and trade for Rodney Hudson, and you make the moves that you've made, you're going all in on this season. Now, whether that means all in 
gets you to the playoffs. It gets you to the playoffs, and then Kyler goes on a run, and you know, for two or three weeks, teams just can't defend him. I mean, we've seen that in the past in the regular season, and all of a sudden, you're making a push to the NFC Championship or whatever. You've gone all in on the season. It at least means making the playoffs. So you got to have somebody that if Kyler Murray misses two or three games, that guy can come in and just kind of hold serve. I'm not saying it's Colt McCoy, but at least Colt McCoy in his career is you know 30 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. He was 1-1 one one last year. I mean, he didn't look all that great in the game. We watched him against the Cardinals. I'm not asking for a backup quarterback that I see very often. I'd prefer to not see them at all. But I just want somebody with more experience. Even now, Chris Strebler's thrown 11 NFL passes, and one of them went to the other team for a touchdown. In a very costly situation. So it, it, that's just the way it is in the NFL. If your quarterback is going to miss 12 games, well, then you're done anyway. But if your quarterback is going to miss like two or three games, or in the case of the Cardinals last year, he's going to miss like the middle of Week 17, you need to have somebody experienced enough to step in and be like, all right, I can get you through this. I may not win you this game, but I'm not going to lose you this game. So again, maybe Colt McCoy isn't that exact guy. Maybe he will lose you the game. But at least he's thrown 989 NFL passes and completed 600. And like I said, 30 touchdowns, 28 interceptions. At least he has some experience where if you go to him, he's not going to be like, wait, how do I read an NFL defense? Like, what's going on here? So we will... um. We'll see if it's going to be him or somebody else, but regardless, the Cardinals absolutely, I I feel like, need to do something. I've been saying that since that game in Week 17. They have to do something at the backup quarterback position. All right, San Francisco 49ers made things interesting around the league last week. Uh, They make that trade. They move up to number three overall. And everybody's kind of like, okay, well, you have Jimmy Garoppolo. Nobody trades up to number three and gives up a pair of first-round picks. And, what, the 12th pick in this year's draft. That's a lot to give up just to take a a defensive player. So pretty clearly they're going to take a quarterback. Mike Tannenbaum said he thinks that quarterback, he thinks he knows who it is. For the 49ers, it's all in on Mac Jones. And I'm saying that for a couple reasons, guys. Mac Jones, to me, the closest comparison, in my opinion, is Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had a lot of success in Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan, who was then the offensive coordinator of the Falcons, now the 49er head coach. And when you connect the dots a little bit further, tomorrow, both Ohio State, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, University of Alabama are having their pro day. Reportedly, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are going to be in Tuscaloosa, not in Columbus, Ohio, which is very telling to me. Just logically, this it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense at first. I made this analogy last week, right when it happened. It's like it's like sitting at a poker table, and somebody that you respect as a really good player starts making really weird moves. And starts betting, you know, irregularly playing their cards oddly, and you just, you know, they're up to something. Like I don't think San Francisco temporarily turned into the Houston Texans and just lost their mind. San Francisco is up to something, but they're going to have to figure out a way to navigate this intelligently, because it sure seems like their plan is take a quarterback at three, but don't start him right away because you have a team that was in the Super Bowl two seasons ago. And they weren't there last year, but they were also probably the most beat-up team in the NFL with the possible exception of the Broncos. 
Not to say Jimmy Garoppolo is the reason they were in the Super Bowl two years ago, because he wasn't. But if you're going into this season and you're getting Nick Bosa back and you plan on having George Kittle all season and all these other guys, you know, how many how many times did they have injured running backs last year? That the San Francisco team is built to win now. So to then bring in a rookie quarterback, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to say, here, you're going to be the guy from day one. Because you got a bunch of guys, a lot of those guys were in the Super Bowl two years ago. A lot of these guys are vets. Are they really going to listen to a rookie quarterback telling them what to do in week one? Maybe if it's Trevor Lawrence. Like, maybe. But it's obviously not going to be Trevor Lawrence. And I would doubt it's going to be Zach Wilson. Because you figure either the Jets are going to take him or they are going to trade out of that pick to somebody that will take him. So you have to think the 49ers have an idea of they like the third best quarterback in this draft a lot. Otherwise, it is just basically we like any of these five rookie quarterbacks better than you, Jimmy, but can you be our starter next year while we try to go to the Super Bowl? Yeah, because they were pulling that whole like, well, he's good. he's the starter this year. He's our guy this year, yeah. which is basically saying, well, he is right now. Josh Rosen's our QB right now. <laughs> yeah, was, what was the quote last week from uh, from the 49ers? It was, uh, it was our, Jimmy's here to stay. He's our guy this year. Like, why'd like, you have to throw in the this year? <laughs> yeah. You didn't have to. Jimmy's here to stay this year. Yeah. Now, I mean, do you think, do you think he's there to start next season? Because gut feeling, yes. Yeah. It, they have too good of a team to just turn it over to Justin Fields or Mac Jones or whoever. But I, I got to say, driving in, Gambo made the pretty good point of if some team comes along right now and offers the 49ers something for Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I think they would listen. Right? Like, if you made, if you were in desperate need of a quarterback and you think Garoppolo is, is all that good, I mean, I don't. I don't think he's bad. I just don't think he's, I think he's okay. But if you need a one... Sure seems like he's available. And every, everyone talks about the, the Patriots, you know, because they know Jimmy Garoppolo, and there was that whole drama with him when they traded him away. Bill Belichick wanted to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, but Tom Brady was still playing really well. But, like, they brought back Cam Newton for, what, $14 million? Yeah. I don't know if there's, like, an out clause in that or something like that where they don't owe him money and they can release him. But, like, why would they trade? Why would they bring back Cam Newton for $14 million and then trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? It's, uh, the first part of that question is a great question. Why would they bring back Cam Newton for $14 million well, after I the mean, way he played yes. last year? But, uh, no, I, I hear what you're saying. At the time, it seemed like they were doing that because they they figured Garoppolo would be available in a year, which it seems like he will definitely be available in a year. Um, I, I mean, I assume San Francisco's plan is, okay, we're going to bring in Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, whoever it is, and let them train under Jimmy G for a year. And I guess you can go to Garoppolo and say, look, you have a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. You absolutely do, but we're doing this big picture. But there's just no way you can sell to Jimmy Garoppolo that you have that much faith in him when you're saying, we'll take any of these rookie quarterbacks over you. (laughs) We love the job you're doing, but these five complete unknowns, we're guessing they're probably all better than you. All right, we come back. We will get back into the Phoenix Suns. They got a little bit of a homestand coming up, 31-14 and this season. And uh, Devin Booker spoke today. That's next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Lipinski, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Phoenix Suns off tonight. They just completed a four-game road trip through Florida and Charlotte, even though they played Toronto. Remember, Toronto's playing in Tampa this year. 
So three and one, you know, a loss to Orlando that everybody was very unhappy with last Thursday because they lost on Wednesday night. And I get it. I mean, that's that's a team you should be able to beat pretty handily. And then Orlando celebrated by promptly trading all their players within 12 hours. So that, let's have a sale. <laughs> seriously, of, of all the teams to lose, Look they were how like, good they are. They just beat the Suns. I wonder if they, yeah, they probably leveraged that into some more uh, return on some of those players. That that was a that was a brutal loss to lose to a team that was like switching jerseys in the fourth quarter to their new teams. But overall, the Suns still go three and one on that trip. They're still 31 and 14 this season. Devin Booker today, well, I guess it was after the game yesterday, asked how uh, special this team is. I see we have a lot of players. Um, everybody's locked into to the same objective, you know, of winning games. So, you know, you have that chemistry and that mentality, one through 15, one through 16, you know, it's real contagious. And that's how you build the culture. So, you know, I've said it multiple times, we're all locked in, you know, top to bottom, coaching staff, and front office, the players. Um, we, we have big goals, you know, that we want to accomplish, and you know, we're, we're off to a good start. Now, the same question was posed to Monty Williams. Mikhail and Tory, they're, they're versatile defenders, for sure. Uh, both can knock down a shot. Both can offensive rebound. Uh, they just give us a couple of guys that can, you know, do a lot of things, and they play with great energy. Uh, special part, we, we don't know yet. I know we have special people on this team. But we have a lot more to do, a lot more winning to do before we can start making declarations about our team as far as being special. It's about what I would expect from uh, from Monty Williams. Not going to make declarations 45 games in. Did you see Jay Crowder's tweet today? <laughs> Just in all caps. Uh, when I made my decision to come to Phoenix, everybody said I was crazy and Phoenix is irrelevant and haven't been in playoffs in 10 years and I will regret this decision. Now look at us and we still have a lot of work to do. All caps. I couldn't. I couldn't yell that entire tweet. I always read texts or tweets in caps as if they're yelling yeah, at me. Absolutely. Although, because that's how I mean it when I send you a text in all caps, I'm yelling at yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. I'm screaming at you through words and on a on a phone. Although, to be fair, I'm pretty sure Jay Crowder always tweets in all caps. So it's possible the caps lock that's is like just his broke thing, on his. Yeah, tweeting in all caps. Like I, and now, now I'm looking back too. I think yeah, everything he he's tweets, just always yelling. Yeah, he maybe he is. Um, yeah, I mean, look, this is there is definitely there is a special feel to this team, and I think where where they really could have where they could really do well in the playoffs is they have a nice mix of. You know, Chris Paul, for all that he's done in his career, he's still got something to prove in the playoffs um, in terms of, like, he wants a ring. Even Jay Crowder, he's got a little bit of playoff experience just from last year. But then you've got, like, Devin Booker, who has played great pretty much his entire career and has had no, no team success at all to show for it. So you just don't get a sense that he's going to let up. You have that that mix, and Monty Williams has that that general mentality anyway. You just heard it right there again. Well, yeah, I'm, we've got some special people on this team, but we haven't done anything yet. I just don't think the Suns are going to let up. I know it sounds crazy to say that because they've let up eight times this season against sub-500 teams and lost to them. But I think I think when this team goes out in the playoffs, if I mean, I'm assuming somebody will eliminate them, maybe not, but if this team gets eliminated in the playoffs this year, it's going to be because the other team outplayed them. Or it's going to be some sort of like officiating controversy because it's the NBA. 
it's not going to be like, yeah, you know, the Suns didn't show up. The, the, the Suns went out there and they were like, oh, okay, you know, that was good enough. We made it to the second round and then they kind of let up. I just don't think with the personalities on this team, that's an option. I know. I get it. I get that DeAndre Ayton doesn't always seem to have that, that just play with that edge and that constant fire. But the other guys do. Booker, Chris Paul, Monty Williams. I think that trio right there is going to keep... And and that's not to say the other guys on this team don't have it too. But those are your leaders right there. And again, it's it's not... Maybe it would be different if Chris Paul had four rings and he was here and it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to help you guys out, but if it doesn't work, I've still got my four rings. No, he doesn't. And maybe it would be different if, like, if Devin Booker had made the playoffs once or twice and, you know, okay, no, he hasn't even been in the playoffs. And not only has he not been in the playoffs, he's had to suffer through humiliating seasons that weren't his fault. In a way, those might come back to benefit the Suns now because I just don't feel like under any circumstances it's ever going to be enough for Devin Booker this season. Uh, here's more from from Booker. Just asked about the uh, the overall performance on that road trip. So anytime you come out with a winning record on a road trip, is good. So we call it a good trip when we take one loss. If you know if we sweep it, we call it a great trip. So we, we dropped one Orlando, obviously a tough game, one point game. We wanted to make our right trip a good trip this time. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like I said earlier, it's tough to be critical of a team that's thirty-one and fourteen. We can all sit here on Thursday after that Wednesday night loss and say, what are you doing? You can't. <laughs> it's not that you can't lose a one-point game to Orlando because they make a shot and you miss a shot. It's that a game against Orlando should never be that close. But the Suns make up for it by beating the good teams. They beat Miami to start the road trip. And you finish 3-1, and one, okay. You're, if you're winning 75% of your games, fine. That would, that would give you the best record in, in the NBA if you did that consistently. Utah's, Utah's winning percentage is 756. The Suns are at 689. So yeah, if you win three out of four on a road trip, that's that's plenty good. Now, it would be naive to not think the rest of the Western Conference, though, is trying to get better. Not just with the trades last week with Portland getting Norman Powell and Denver going out and getting McGee and, and Aaron Gordon. I don't totally understand the Clippers move, but I'm assuming they had a reason for it. Lakers go out and get Andre Drummond's. You know, that was a guy that I really wanted the Suns to try to go after, but I knew full well that they didn't have a shot at him, even if they were interested. And it doesn't even really sound like they were interested. But just a player like that, that you could plug in, that you know will get you rebounds, and you know will be a defensive presence. I mean, he's averaging 18 points a game this year, but he's not very efficient offensively. And if the Suns had gotten him, he wouldn't be here to run the offense through, obviously. <laughs> but uh, but certainly he could you know, he'll get you... 10, 12, 14 rebounds a night. He'll get you a couple blocks. He'll, he'll defend. He'll get some steals. That's a guy that I would have been interested in just because on the nights when DeAndre Ayton doesn't have it, then just go to Andre Drummond. And that way you're not really you're not losing much and you don't have to panic and you don't have to, you know, your, your season isn't tied to DeAndre Ayton in the playoffs. But at the same time, you still have DeAndre Ayton for the nights when he gets really good. But uh, no Andre Drummond for the Suns. He ends up going to the Lakers. Um... That's not really a shock. LaMarcus Aldridge goes to Brooklyn, and Gorgie Jang went to San Antonio. Uh, Brian Windhorst had this to say about the Drummond move. Yeah, I don't know how much he'll play when they're fully whole in 
intense moments because I believe that the Lakers are at their best when Anthony Davis plays center. But he's so fragile with injuries that you don't want to play him a lot there. And so the Lakers haven't invested a lot in their center position over the last couple of years because they know they sort of have that trump card they can go to. So in the interim, Andre Drummond is one of the best rebounders in the last 25 years in the NBA. The guy rebounds at an all-time elite level. And so you will see that definitely make an impact. And he can score. Um, you know, and the Lakers at times, especially without AD and LeBron, I mean, they have difficulty putting the ball in the basket. So short term, getting a guy with that kind of offensive talent, I mean, it can't help to improve them. I don't think it's a game-changing move uh, in the grand scheme of things because, when, like I said, when they're whole, I don't think he's going to be out there when it matters. And if they're not whole, it's not going to matter. Yeah, it's hard to la- argue with the logic there at the end where it's like when the Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis out there doing their thing, Drummond's probably not going to play all that much. I mean, he could still get minutes. But when they're not out there, yeah, he's going to make an impact. But if if those two guys aren't out there then the Lakers aren't winning the title anyway. So so in that sense, it's like, okay, it's, it's not it's not the world's biggest deal. But if you're asking me if I'm happy that Andre Drummond went to the Lakers, I'm not. He definitely makes them better, even if it's just a matter of he keeps them afloat, helps keep them afloat until LeBron and Anthony Davis come back. Now, not like I thought the Lakers were going to drop out of the playoffs without those two guys anyway, but Drummond goes in there and, and he can get you. He's averaging 18 and 14 this year. And like I said, he's a defensive presence. So... Is it a big deal? Probably not, but I'd prefer he didn't go to the Lakers. So, of course, he did. All right, we come back. Baseball season starts on Thursday for the D-backs. We will give you our top five questions entering opening day. That's next. It's the Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. It's the Rundown, hosted by Luke Lipinski. Luke, I am your father. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. go this is of course the top five music and we figured we'd do a baseball version of top five today with the opening day just a couple days away cody how many fantasy baseball leagues are you in i will be in f- uh, three okay three of them what's the most you've ever done i feel like this is the most i've probably ever done okay um it's the most football leagues you've ever done oh I'd say three, I think. I think three is my limit. Three is a good limit. I'm doing two baseball leagues. I'm about to drop out of this basketball league we're in. <laughs> this is the middle of the season. Sucks. You can't drop out. You're like Kevin Durant. You're like three games out of a playoff. You haven't spot. played in like three months. Yeah, you know, at the first part of the season, we were all like, how did Cody get LeBron and Kevin Durant? And then we were all like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's Kevin why we Durant's didn't Kevin Durant's not going to play for a whole <laughs> two months yeah. just for a hamstring. And then LeBron got hurt, too. So yeah. my team is terrible. It's so bad. Um, the most football leagues I've ever done is nine. And I that do is not just recommend ridiculous. it. No, it was a miserable. It was that's, miserable. Like, why would you do that to yourself? I, I will never do it again. Like, football is probably the easiest one to do because you usually just set your lineup for once a week. Before he, Thursday, unless something happens, like your guy gets hurt in practice or something. But yeah, that's true. Although it would have been a mess this year because nine is the, stupid. No, it's, well, because you have to do the waivers too. Like football's like a business now. Uh, anyway, none of, this is not about any of that. This is about Major League Baseball starting on Thursday. It's about the D-backs season starting in San Diego on Thursday. So we're giving you our top five questions for this season. And Bear, because you are wearing a D-backs hat, you As get usual. Yeah, I didn't even have to look at you when I <laughs> when I said that. You get to go first. Or All you right. can defer, I guess. My, like, yeah, I'll just... I don't want to do this. Uh, <laughs> number, five, <laughs> number five. 
Uh, can the bullpen get the job done this year? Um, their bullpen is kind of makeshift this year. Um, they brought in a, uh, a couple veteran guys. Joaquin Soria is probably going to be their closer. Tyler Clipper was brought in, and now he's injured. Um, I just saw today, Tori Lovello said that Chris Davinsky, another veteran reliever, is, has made the bullpen. I don't know what this bullpen's going to look like. It's, it's kind of just like... Here's our guys. There's there's nobody that you're like scared of in that bullpen either. I mean, Soria is probably the closest guy. He's got the most experience. He's probably your best reliever. But I don't know. It's I don't know if the bullpen's good enough. There were a couple of years there where Davinsky was great with Houston. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but then last year he had an ERA over 14. Woo! So well, that's not as great. Yeah, 2020, man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I do wonder how much 20... Because uh, the reason I asked about fantasy baseball is because I did two drafts over the weekend. I do wonder... Like, I looked... When we bring up the 2020 stats, I just kind of glossed right over them like they weren't even there. Um, number five on my list is how rough is that start going to be with 17 road games out of the first 22 games? Because the D-backs, best-case scenario, are probably a fringe playoff team anyway. Like, best case. You, I mean, you're not winning the division almost certainly with the Dodgers. And something's going to ha- have to happen with the Padres, something drastic. Yeah. So to start off with 17 of 22 on the road, maybe that doesn't do anything. But if you go out there in those first 22 and you finish, like, 8 and 14, you could get buried early. So, yeah. and not having your entire team. I mean, they got a lot of injuries, too. So that's my first question. All right, number five. All right, number four for me. Is Cattell Marte their center fielder from now on? I'm not just talking about this year because this year, yeah, it looks like he's going to be their primary center fielder. But is are they ready to say, okay, Cattell Marte is our, is our center fielder now? Because there were a couple guys. I know this year was weird and not a lot of money was spent except for on Trevor Bauer and, you know, some of the bigger star players. But there were a couple center fielders out there that – that signed one to two year deals that I thought would be a fit and the D-backs didn't go get any of those guys and they seem con- content with putting Cattell Marte out there again um, so I'm just wondering if they're if this is just saying you know screw it he's our center fielder yeah that's, that's I don't a really fair like point. it but I'd rather see him at second base but well, are you are you in that group where you just want to see him play one position yes. or the other? Okay. Yes. If they're yeah, if they're going to have him be the center fielder, fine. But I feel like your best player and your best hitter probably shouldn't be moving around all that much. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I, I agree with that. It didn't hurt him when he moved to center field. In fact, he had his best. He's year. actually good at it. I yeah. mean, he's he's a good center fielder. I'm not saying he's bad, but but I don't want him playing center field one and day second, and then second. Short, yeah, and, yeah. And then we're, oh, by the way, we're counting on you to put up like MVP hitting numbers. <laughs> good luck. Uh, my number, my number four. You already kind of hit on, so I'll just go through it quickly. How does the bullpen look? Do you at what point do you name a closer? I would assume it's Soria, but they're not saying that right now. I mean, I guess I doubt they Crichton. will ever use the term closer. Really, you think all year? Tori Lovello doesn't like that term. He, he really doesn't. he wouldn't even call Archie Bradley the closer when he was the closer. It was really obvious that he was. He was like the finisher or something. He was in the ninth inning when they had a lead every time. And he's like, oh, no, he's not the closer. I don't want to use crazy yeah. words like closer. But uh, whether they want to label it or not, they're going to have to get more clearly defined bullpen roles. And, and as you said, it's sort of a patchwork bullpen, so it's understandable why those roles aren't totally defined yet, at least not externally. But I don't think you can go too deep into the season being like, oh, okay, maybe this guy pitches the seventh. Oh, never mind. He's the closer. Right. Right. Like, you're going to have to get that set up. And now, no, Tyler Clippert for a while doesn't help. All right. My number three, uh, just a question mark. 
on the depth, pretty much at every position. <laughs> uh, the outfield, of course, uh, Cattell Marte having to move to center field because there's nobody else that can play center field. And then Cole Calhoun goes down with an injury, and it looks like Tim LaCastro will probably be starting in right field for the most part. Uh, Trace Thompson doesn't look like he's going to make the team. Um, I, I mean... They've been having Paven Smith, who is primarily a first baseman, play in the outfield the last couple spring games. Um, and then you look at the infield, you really don't know who their second baseman's going to be. Um, Josh Rojas hasn't played a lot. He's had a really good spring, but he hasn't played a lot of second base. You have as Drupal Cabrera. I don't know if they want to move Escobar over there and have Cabrera at third. So it's kind of, and then you look at the starting rotation. Now you're seeing kind of the depth kind of be exposed there. Zach Gallen goes down with an injury, and I mean, you don't really have that big name prospect waiting in the wings like the Dodgers always seem to have. Taylor Widener is taking his spot. So, and then what happens if a you know, if a big piece in the bullpen goes down. Who's there to be a relief pitcher? You know what I mean? It's just, it, yeah. There's kind of like, they have guys, they have guys, they have bodies that can do all these jobs, but there's not really that, you know, next, you know, savior that's waiting in the wings in the minor leagues for to come up and, and help the team if something bad happens. They, they are certainly a team that it's like everything needs to go right for them this season and then maybe they could have a successful year but none of the things are going right so far. They're already losing guys. Uh, my number three is what version of Madison Bumgarner are we getting? And and I will go back to what Steve Berthume said when we did the D-backs Madness show last Saturday and I asked him about that and he said well he said he expects Bumgarner to bounce back because for a guy like Bumgarner who has thrown so many innings in this league the starting and stopping of spring training last year probably impacted him more than most guys. And then also you're making basically 12 starts, no time to really work out of it. So he is one of those guys, fingers crossed, that we're going to look back and say, okay, 2020 was kind of an outlier for all these odd reasons. And some guys had great 2020s, but for Bumgarner, it does sort of seem like he might be able to bounce back. All right, what do you have? A relative. I don't, I'm not expecting him to go out there and, and win playoff series by himself like he's done in the past. Yeah, uh, my number two is sticking with pitching. My next two are actually all about pitching. How long will Zach Gallen really be out? That's my exact number two, so go ahead. <laughs> word I mean, for word. We, there's kind of that, like... Unofficial timetable of four to six weeks. That seems like a lot of guys get a four to six weeks to, with every injury. But I mean, we're talking about forearms here, and forearms are never good in terms of in terms of baseball injuries. You know, yeah. As soon as I saw forearm tightness, I'm like, oh no, because you automatically think of Tommy John surgery. But I mean, he could have dodged a bullet with just having a fracture. But I mean, he's obviously their best pitcher. And he's going to miss probably the first, at least almost the first month of the season. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know how many games they'll be playing, but. Well, if, if he misses, let's say on the optimistic end, he four. misses four weeks. He basically misses that entire 22 game stretch where they play 17 of 22 on the road. Well, goody. Uh, so, so if they could survive let's hope that. For that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, and then when he comes back, how is he going to be the same guy? I mean, when he went down, he originally said, I don't even feel it unless I'm throwing my curveball. But you never know with these kind of things. Also, yeah. we need the DH. I'm sick of this crap. <laughs> Pitchers get it. I am now. I mean, I was already in favor of the DH before, but now I will die on this hill. Well, he's uh, Zach Allen is on that hill with you. And, and I mean, you basically said it right there. That was my number two as well. And, and it sort of does branch off to can they survive those first four weeks, which is my number five question. 
um, if they're going to have to survive them without Zach Gallen. Now, they don't play the Dodgers until May 17th this season, but I don't even know if I'm circling the Dodgers on the calendar this year as like, oh, those are big games, or those are just kind of like, LA's going to do their thing and you got to beat everybody they're else. They're big for the D-backs if they can win them. <laughs> yeah, but they're not but- like... Yeah. They're not. I mean, I feel like the San Diego San Diego games are bigger because right. it's you might well, be able that's to catch a team them. You could, you're realistically fighting against. All right, who do you, what do you have at uh, number one? Uh, it's kind of stemming off the uh, Zach Gallen, but is this rotation good enough to compete? I mean, we're gonna have to have a lot of bounce back performances here with Madison Bumgarner and Luke Weaver. I mean, to me, this is a make or break season for Luke Weaver. He's had a terrible spring. Um, Caleb Smith has had a terrible spring, as you mentioned earlier, but apparently he's not worried about it. <laughs> Doesn't sound worried uh, about I'm it. I'm a little worried about it. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Widener is now in the rotation. We don't really know what we're going to get from him. The only guy I can kind of say I'm somewhat confident in that he's going to be decent is Merrill Kelly. Yeah, that's crazy and too. Which I didn't think I would ever say that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, two years ago, it was like, hey, this guy's going to try and make it in the majors, and now it's like, yeah, he's probably the most reliable D-back starter. Yeah, the, the starting rotation has not been very very good this spring. Um, I will go, my number one is, it's more broad than that, it's just, are they going to get bounce back seasons? Like, you detailed a couple of the pitchers right there, Luke Weaver, certainly Madison Bumgarner, but I mean, some of the hitters last year, Carson Kelly hit 221. I kind of think that this is a make or break year for him, too. I mean, both of him and Luke Weaver, the big pieces for in the Paul Gold Tray, they need to start showing yeah. something. Uh, Eduardo Escobar hit 212 last year. And even Cattell Marte hit 287. That's fine. Only had two home runs. And again, you're asking him to be the, the centerpiece of your offense. So they're going to need bounce backs from multiple, multiple, multiple guys to be able to, uh, to to challenge for a playoff spot this year. All right, that was the top five D-backs questions entering the 2021 season. We'll come back with hour number two, starting with the reload next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show, live from the Akchin Community Studios. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. And we will start with the Phoenix Suns, who are off tonight, but they are starting a homestand, mini homestand, tomorrow against Atlanta, and then Wednesday against the Bulls, Friday against Oklahoma City. Suns 31-14 and 14 this season. Ended up going 3-4 and four on that most recent road trip. Had that, you know... Kind of embarrassing loss to Orlando, but still, he's won 75% of their games. Monty Williams was asked about the difficulty of that road trip. I mean, everybody has a, a tough schedule the second half of the season, but to fly four hours and play a back-to-back, uh, pretty hard. And, and we lost by one point. And then to win two games back-to-back, um, not back-to-back in schedule, but the next two uh pretty good accomplishment by our guys but you know dealing with three time zones a bunch of games not a lot of practice uh, that's a level of resiliency that we have to hang on to yeah the Suns have been remarkably good on the road this season in fact they have the best road record in the NBA here's more from Monty uh just resilience you know that's what we've been talking about having that level of resiliency and being relentless when stuff doesn't go your way um you got to continue to, to move on to the next play. And, uh, you know, having guys who've been in these situations before really helps us uh, for sure. 
of being able to get stops on the road when you're not in front of your crowd is a huge thing for us, especially when your offense uh, isn't where it needs to be from a shot-making perspective. I thought our offense was decent versus the Reds. We just missed a ton of open shots. We had enough of a defensive mentality uh, this evening or this afternoon to get a win. Yeah, and you could look at the road record and you could say, okay, well, you know, this is not, it's not like these are packed houses and there's all that stuff. And it's not like you even have a packed house at home because you can only have so many fans. But I think what Monty Williams said towards the beginning of that clip uh, and even the, the previous one talking about this road trip where they were you know, back-to-back and then playing the early game on, uh, on yesterday against Charlotte mixed in there. But, yeah, the back-to-back against Miami and Orlando. It's just it's more the travel and everything, and it's not like I mean these are always business trips, but it's not like they're going on sightseeing tours on these trips either this season. They can't do anything, <laughs> so you're just kind of waiting around to play basketball. It's it's certainly a, a quality that you never see a bad team have a great road record. You never even see like a mediocre team have a great road record. That's usually the sign of a team that's going to contend and. At least be a. If you're not going to make noise in the playoffs, you're going to be a real tough out in the playoffs. Because if the Suns have home court in the first round, which you would hope they they do at this point, and they split the first two games in downtown Phoenix, I don't think any of us are going to be like, oh, now well, home home court advantage is just gone. They're screwed. Like, okay, well, they always win on the road. So it's you know, it, it doesn't it does not seem to phase them. And I really do think that mentality that Monty Williams has, where not much really just outwardly seems to phase him is uh, is great for a team that outside of Chris Paul is really a very young and inexperienced basketball team. All right, over to March Madness. We are down to two Pac-12 teams. Oregon State lost to Houston by a final of 67-61. I give them credit. They came all the way back and tied it. They were down 34-17 at halftime. So they put up 44 in the second half. That's usually enough to win a college basketball game, but it was not enough tonight. Whoever is the new Pac-12 commissioner has to be like, look what I did. Did you see that Larry Scott's like at the game still? He's like, well, this is actually my last order of business. This is my legacy now. (laughs) No, 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 Larry. Remember when I built it up so we went deep in in March Madness in 2020? Remember how good the Pac-12 network is? (laughs) The what? Is that a thing? Can I watch that? (laughs) No, but it's just, it's more of a state of mind. Uh, Yeah, Oregon State is out. We have Baylor up on Arkansas, 7 0, a minute and a half in. And then, um, (laughs) why are you cheering for that? I need Baylor to win. Oh, okay. I have them in the final against Gonzaga. Oh, well. uh, I think my bracket's pretty dead because I don't have, I only. I've lost two Final Four teams. I I think if you have the championship right, though, this year, you're going to be in good shape. Because, because like I know Baylor's a one seed, but I didn't see a lot of people picking them to go all the way. Do you have Baylor beating Gonzaga? No, I have Gonzaga winning. Okay, everybody, a lot of people had that. I but. lost, of course. Illinois was another Final Four team, and then uh, Alabama. Yeah, lost. So that was great. At least when your Final Four team makes it to the second weekend, it's okay. Illinois bowing out in the second round was uh, was less than stellar. So it's uh, Houston's in the Final Four right now. That's that's a, a lock, the number two seed out of the Midwest. And then Baylor, Arkansas to represent the South. So the winner of this tonight will play Houston. And then tomorrow we'll set the other half of the Final Four. Gonzaga against USC and Michigan against UCLA. UCLA hanging around here in the Elite Eight. If, weren't even invited. Uh, yeah, how did you even get here? Um, 
There's always one of those teams, though, isn't there? There's always one team in the play-in round that just they play their way in and they just keep going. Gonzaga's this is their year, right? I mean, if they, if they don't win it this year, I'm never buying into the Gonzaga hype again. This is it. Yeah, they have to win. I mean, right? <laughs> like They're undefeated. Everything around them is crumbling. Although I will say Michigan, even though they don't have Isaiah Livers, is um, they're, they're looking pretty good. So that could be a tough, uh, potentially, if it's Gonzaga and uh, Michigan in the Final Four. That would be a really good game. But, uh, yeah, Oregon State out. But USC, UCLA still in it. And there's a chance that they could both win tomorrow. And we'd have two Pac-12 representatives in the Final Four. D-backs, one more Cactus League game tomorrow. The one today did not go so well. A 7-1 to loss to the Chicago Cubs. Don't really care about uh, spring training results. I do miss going to just spring training games. Didn't get to do that as much this year as I'm I have. Very excited. I have tickets to the D-backs home opener. So that is April, April 9th. 9th. It'll be my first baseball game in a full year. Wow. That's So they're playing Cincinnati. My last, well, I guess it's not true. I covered the D-backs last season. But the last sporting event I went to before everything was, was paused. <laughs> the last one I went to before everything was paused was D-backs, Reds, spring training, and Goodyear on March 10th, I believe, of last year. Um, yeah, so the D-backs, <laughs> like I said, I don't care that much about their spring training record, but they've, they've only won one spring training game out of their last 12. <laughs> so take that for what it's worth. They get Cleveland tomorrow at 12.40, and then the regular season opener is Thursday in San Diego, starting a four-game series against the Padres. It'll be Madison Bumgarner on the mound against Hugh Darvish, Merrill Kelly in uh, in Game 2 on Friday against Blake Snell. So, I mean, it is great to have 162 full-game... Is that the right way to say that? A full 162-game baseball season. No, but... You rebounded nicely. This is how I'm going to do the show from now on. I'm just going to put words out there that I mean, and then you can sort of assemble them in the right order that you feel like they should go. way too much pressure on me. Okay. Tomorrow's uh, exhibition game is always the one that frightens me because the exhibition games at Chase Field, the history of those have not been good. That's true. There was that one where (laughs) A.J. Pollock slid headfirst into home plate and blew up his elbow, which apparently was just going to blow up at some point anyway. And then Steven Souza Jr. slipping on home plate and tearing like every ligament in his knee. That's the one I was at. Whatever happened to Steven Souza Jr.? I believe he's a Houston Astro now. He went to the Cubs last year. I believe he's an Astro now. Yeah, I was at the Souza game. You're right. That's uh, that's not great. Uh, NFL, the league is almost certainly going to expand to a 17-game regular season as soon as this week. And it seems like they are going to only cut the preseason by one game. And they're going to make it seem like they're doing the the players a favor by cutting it by one game. So it'll be a three-game preseason, a 17-game regular season. If that happens, it would be... Because obviously everybody's schedule is going to be unbalanced all the AFC teams would play an extra home game the first year and they would just go back and forth. So like all the AFC teams get nine home games, eight road games the first year. And then all the NFC teams get nine home games the second year. I don't, they're obviously going to go to 18 games at some point. So I don't know why they don't just, just go to 18 games and cut it to one preseason game. At least then we're not playing these unbalanced schedule. You're not pretending like you're not going to do it. The players can just adjust. They get a couple less preseason games. Like, this is just it's insanity. And uh, Coyotes in hockey, one point out of the playoffs, depending what St. Louis does in the next couple days. But the Coyotes only, that's the NHL equivalent of being a half game out of a playoff spot. 
with about 20, they have 21 games left in the season after uh, sweeping San Jose over the weekend. All right, we come back. A lot going on in the NBA now that the trade deadline has passed. We'll hear from Amin El Hassan next. It's the rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on the rundown. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, quick update. Baylor leading Arkansas 33-18. Eight minutes left in the first uh, half there. And U of A women up on Indiana 37-34 in the third quarter. That one, about four and a half minutes left. So both those games are going to send somebody to the final four in the men's and women's brackets, respectively. All right, it is time now for a round of fill-in-the-blank. This is a simple game. I will give Cody a sentence. He'll be missing a word. He's going to fill it in in the way that he feels best fits the sentence, and we'll go back and forth. Bear, I'm going to go first. I got one for you. Ready? Okay. The best part of opening day is blank. The pregame introductions with the big old American flag on the field and all the cool stuff that they do. Pre game introduction. Fireworks, all that stuff. <laughs> Baseball is by far your favorite sport, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not even close. So, you're obviously a D-backs fan, but like if this season goes the way a lot of people think it may and they win like 75 games or whatever, are you like what what else do you follow in baseball? Like just the league in general? Well, fantasy baseball helps. Okay, that's true. Uh, I'm in three leagues as you asked me before, so I'll be paying attention to pretty much everything, but um I just like watching baseball. I don't care really who it is. So you can you're one of those people that can watch like the White Sox and Royals play. Maybe not those teams. <laughs> Maybe not the Royals. White Sox are pretty fun. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. I mooch off of my friend's MLB.tv account, so that's really fun. I do. I mean, <laughs> that is... games right there. That is great for if you're playing fantasy baseball because you can just bounce back and forth like from game to game and just watch whoever you want to see bat. All right. All right. Uh, my first one for you. The fact that the Suns did nothing at the trade deadline... And haven't made any moves in the buyout market yet. We don't know. It's still, what, a couple weeks where players can get bought out? But the fact that they did nothing around all that time makes you feel blank. Uh, I'm going to say uneasy. I gave that as, as an answer to something last week on trade deadline day. Uneasy might be a little strong the more I think about it. Like, I do like the mentality of, hey, this is our team, and we build it, and, and we build it to win. We, we didn't build it to have to, like, tinker with it midseason. But when you look at the other teams getting better, I I, I am interested if, there, if there's any possibility that Hassan Whiteside would get bought out in Sacramento if that happens. That is, like, the one name that I would... I think he could offer a lot of value to the Suns. I, I do think that they're thin in the front court, and... That can burn you in a seven-game playoff series when the other team knows that you're thin in the front court. And like, even if you're the world's biggest DeAndre Ayton fan and you think he's every bit as good as Anthony Davis, what happens if DeAndre Ayton fouls out of a game? Like, the other teams have other options there, and the Suns don't have a ton of options. So that's the only reason I would say uneasy. But but part of me part of me likes it though too. Okay, Larry Fitzgerald will be blank next year. And whatever you say, we're going to use as breaking news for the rest of the country. Great. 
He'll be great next year? Well, <laughs> No, wait, no, no. <laughs> he will be retired. Really? Okay. I think so. Do you think he knows that? And he's just, he wants to make sure? I don't sure? know. I don't think... Part of me says, like, yeah, he's got to know what he's doing. The Cardinals have to know what he's doing. But every day that passes that we don't hear what Larry Fitzgerald is doing, maybe he is waiting. Maybe he is waiting to see, you know, after the draft, does he get that, you know, urge to go put the pads back on and, and, and get out there, you know? Because I feel like I've heard a lot of football players talk, and that's kind of what the deciding factor is when they retire they decide like they wake up one day is like i don't want to go to work anymore yeah yeah uh, there's that I, I don't have a desire to go in to the facility and just anymore. get beat up for practice basically right. i mean it, it is entirely possible he's just waiting through all the offseason stuff and then he's like okay i'll come back and play but i think it's larry fitzgerald if he if he told the cardinals hey i'll i'll, I'll play this season but i don't want to go through the offseason stuff i don't i don't know that they don't make think him do he'd it have to anyway yeah so I don't know. Okay. Um, Put your prediction hat on here. All right. Let me get that hat. Blank will win the NCAA tournament. Well, I picked Gonzaga, and they haven't lost all season. To be fair, I picked them at the start of the tournament, not the start of the season. So I feel like I got to stick with them. Man, Baylor has been impressive. Baylor has been really impressive, and they are hammering Arkansas right now. Uh, up by 13, six minutes left in the first half. I mean, anything goes this year, but I would say I'm, I'm, I'll stick with Gonzaga. Their path's going to get tough here, though, because I don't think USC is an easy win for them, and I don't think Michigan would be an easy win for them either. If they end up getting to play UCLA, I, I would think Gonzaga would be able to, to roll over them, but nobody else has been able to roll over UCLA, so maybe not. You have, you have Gonzaga too, don't you? Yeah, I, that's who I have in my bracket. Okay. I mean, that means nothing, but <laughs> that means absolutely nothing. I would like for them to win. I think they're going to win. I mean, they have to for their own program's I sake. Just, I feel like you all, know all the years where it's like this is yeah, Gonzaga's year. Everything's pretty much gone their way. It does seem like it's kind of under reported or underappreciated the fact that they are going for a completely undefeated season. And they yeah, are yeah. three wins away from doing Seems it. Seems like that should be a big storyline, and it's not. Yeah. And then, like, everything's going their way. Like, there's no Kansas anymore. Yeah. There's no Duke. There's no Kentucky. It's kind of insane. Yeah. Uh, there is Evan Mobley. That's who they'll have to deal with tomorrow. If you had the power to veto one team from winning the NBA title this year, you would block blank. The Lakers. All right. Was that hard? I mean, did you even no. have to? Th- okay. Even though Kyrie I is on the nest. I can't stand and- the Lakers. All right. I, I will never. Yeah. I mean, I can't really stand the Nets. <laughs> Kevin Durant hasn't played in a month on my fantasy team. Oh, yeah. Kyrie Irving is just frustrating. James Harden is kind of a jerk. But I c- I can't- Steve Nash is there. Yeah, that's and Mike true. D'Antoni's there. That's true. Good call. I don't like, obviously, if that were the NBA Finals, which is, I get that's, you know, favored to be that exact matchup. I'm going to watch it. It would be a very compelling best of seven, but I really hope it's it, one of those teams isn't there. You know what I mean? I would prefer, like, I, I am I am all for somebody, like, that's what I liked about Miami being there last year. They were a good team, but they weren't expected to be in game six with a chance to force a game seven against the Lakers, and then they almost did it. They were like a Cinderella team in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, which we don't usually get in the them. NBA. Yeah. Um, blank 
is the most likely player to have a bounce back season for the D-backs this year? Um, well, are we considering Cattell Marte somebody that needs a bounce back season? Sure. Why not? I'm still not. I, I, I'll go Bumgarner. I, I do think Bumgarner will bounce back. Like I said earlier in the show, I, he's not going to be like a Cy Young candidate. I don't think he's going to be like somebody that is, you know, your number one starters coming up against every other team's number one starter. And you're like, oh, that's we're great. We got Madison Bumgarner. But I, I, I do think he'll be. He was really bad for a good stretch last year. He was also pretty good at the end of last year. And I, and I do think that that's. Not necessarily those last few games are going to carry over, but I do think there's something to him just having a normal spring routine going into the season. He knows he's the guy. He should make 30 starts. I, I, I think Baumgartner's going to be fine this year. I don't know if that's going to be enough for them. Uh, blank would be a successful season for the D-backs. Um, successful for this squad, I would say one game over 500. Okay. Because honestly, I mean, when you look at their team, they're probably not going to be that good. Um, so if they could finish with a winning record, yeah. And, and I mean, like, they should be expecting more from themselves, obviously. Yeah. But I think if they finish with a winning record, they could count this year as a successful season with COVID happening and they not spending money because of it or whatever the reasons are and just what they have to work with. I think if they could finish <laughs> just over 500, that'd be that'd be good. Especially in that division. Here, I have a bonus one for you. Okay. Because I know you're a big Rob Manfred fan. Oh, good. The celebrity best Great. suited to take over as MLB commissioner is blank. The best celebrity? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's... Oh. You can answer it when we come back if you want. Oh. If you need a break. I would love to see Will Ferrell in charge of something. <laughs> Will Ferrell. All right, Will Ferrell. I would take that. He's been in plenty of sports movies. He did that thing where he 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 showed He's up at every spring training game. Player. Remember that? He <laughs> was at every game. Player. Yeah, I was at I was at the one the D backs game where he came. Oh, really? Played left field. It was fun. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, that was fill in the blank. We'll come back. Patrick Peterson is giving us a little insight as to why he made the decision to go to Minnesota for one year. We'll get into that next. It's the rundown on ninety eight seven FM Arizona Sports Station. Final segment of the show, and yes, Patrick Peterson is—he's uh, now firmly entrenched with the Minnesota Vikings. He's still got his podcast, though, the All Things Covered podcast, and he was asked on the show over the weekend: Was his plan always to go with a one-year deal? Yeah, if it wasn't with Arizona, you know, I definitely was uh, looking to sign a one-year deal wherever it was going to be. Because, like I said, you know, my plan is to have an unbelievable year this year. You know, go out there and play the ball that I know how to play, and like I said, have a better opportunity of uh of being better rewarded. You mm-hmm. know, next next off season because, like I said, it's going to be a bigger cap. This was a strange year, the lowest the cap has been in ten years. Yeah. So you know, it was a rough off season this year, far as spinning wise, but you know, especially then also with me being thirty. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you know, teams are definitely you know looking to you know with Arizona at least. Yeah. Looking to get younger in a way. So, um, but like I said, I'm looking to have a big year this year. I feel good. You know, I still feel like I'm, you know, 25 years old. You know, I'm healthy is all I can be. Yeah. I'm just planning on a firework season, man. 
That makes it sound like he kind of knew that Arizona wasn't going to bring him back or Arizona didn't want him back. Uh, he was also asked when he knew his career in Arizona was over. Uh, honestly, I'd probably say after the last game. Really? You kind of felt, yeah. you kind of felt uh, that vibe after the last game? Yeah, because, if, if you know, I just feel like, you know, I've been around this game for a long time. I've seen, you know, a lot of good players get to this stage, like, you know, Darnell Dockett, Calais Campbell, mm-hmm. Adrian Wilson. Um, hell, I can go on. Uh, uh, you know, when you when you pretty much play out your your contract here and they haven't, you know, really came to you about anything during the season, you kind of, you know, you kind of got a feel. That's interesting to me because that means if Patrick Peterson knows that, and Patrick Peterson's a, sh- a sharp guy and he obviously has been with the Cardinals for a long time, but you figure most players in that locker room know that if they're paying attention. So it's... Uh, that that's that's interesting that I mean if he had said like oh I knew it was over a year and a half ago and I was just waiting for my contract to play out he wasn't going to say that but that would have been a lot more frustrating I'll, I'll give Patrick Peterson credit that that everything he has said since going to Minnesota has been either insightful or or classy I thought you had a question oh no I was picking a fuzz oh. off my mind. no I thought you had a Patrick Peterson I question that a, I cut you off I on do before. have I do have a question though that you didn't let me ask and fill in the blank. That was very rude. And it's Patrick Peterson related. Okay. I I am going to ask you when you think of Patrick Peterson's time as a Cardinal, you think blank. I think Hall of Famer, and I've had this this conversation with a few of my friends who um, varying degrees of Cardinals fanery fandom with them, and I have not gotten the universal response that he's a Hall of Famer. So maybe I'm, I don't think I overestimated what Patrick Peterson did when he was here. I mean, I, I think that he, he he's going to go down, maybe not right now, but a couple years from now as one of the best Cardinals since they moved to Arizona. He's certainly one of the best Cardinals that I've ever seen. I mean, I, like DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best Cardinals I've ever seen. He's been here for a year. But in terms of guys that have had a lasting impact on the Cardinal year, Cardinals year after year after year, if that 2018 season doesn't go south and he doesn't you know, hint that he wants to leave and then get suspended to start the next year, prior to that, he, was, he wasn't just one of the best Cardinals. He, was, he wasn't on Larry Fitzgerald's level, but he was the next tier and he was the only guy on that tier. I, I was just going to say kind of what you, what you said just now. Um, I feel like people who don't dive deep into it or maybe who haven't, you know, or aren't die hard like, Deep fans of the Cardinals will say, "Well, uh, are affected by his trade request, yeah, and then the PED suspension when he's like, I'm here to stay at the Phoenix Open, you know, and then he gets popped for PEDs. I feel like that really affects people, and they really think of just the 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 now and like the past couple of years where, yeah, he has been getting burned by a lot of receivers, or you know, he gets a lot of penalties, blah blah. blah. But I remember." And we always talk, and people would talk about Patrick Peterson doesn't have the interceptions. Patrick Peterson doesn't have the. It's because quarterbacks were afraid to throw over yeah. there. They were afraid to throw in his direction. There was a stretch of what six years, probably, where he was either the best cover corner in the NFL or he was in the 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 top three, and it just kind of like rotated the week least to week. Targeted defensive back, yeah. in the NFL. I mean, you don't need he was that good. You don't need metrics for that when the opposing NFL quarterback won't throw at you. Ever and it's and it's just one after another week after week for five or six years. That's a pretty good sign that you were pretty good. And it's been different the last couple of years, but when he was at his peak for the Cardinals, he would follow the 
number one receiver around, and everyone would say, oh, Richard Sherman's the best. Richard Sherman's the best corner, but Richard Sherman only has ever played on one side of the field. Yeah. Patrick Peterson would follow the number one receiver around wherever, and the last couple of years, obviously, he's getting older. So his speed has diminished a little bit, but he was so he was more he's probably more suited now for his zone defense, like Sherman usually plays. But man, peak Patrick Peterson was fun to watch. Man, the the punt returner Patrick Peterson that first year when he took four serious? back yeah. in one year, it's insane, <laughs> and nearly took a fifth back. Yeah, that there was there was some great times with Patrick Peterson. I assume Very, a lot of. Crazy, really fun memories yeah, for Patrick Peterson. Absolutely. Uh, unfortunately, it kind of, for some fans, and I understand it completely, They it, those memories get tarnished a little bit when he comes out and the, the, the first year where it's not all sunshine and rainbows and after Bruce Arians leaves, he wants to be traded. Yeah, it no, kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I totally get some why some fans feel that way. He he did he did a lot of that to himself. I mean that that was that was self inflicted. But I, I do think big picture when we take a step back from this, and maybe not this year because the Vikings come to State Farm Stadium and everything. But a couple years from now, it's gonna be like, oh yeah, Patrick Peterson was one of the best Cardinals. That uh, in terms of talent and and production, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, real quick here before I wrap up, I'll play this Tori Lovello clip again. The starting rotation, the opening day starter is going to be Bum. Um, obviously, a well deserved honor that he's done many, many times. Uh, and uh, I know he's excited by it. It, uh, it was something I talked to him about post outing the other day. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's opening day and I know that he's going to, he's going to um, be proud to take them out for the Arizona Diamondbacks on day on game one um, behind him will be Merrill Kelly. Uh, day three will be Caleb Smith. Day four will be um, Taylor Widener. And then uh, the th- Day one starter in Colorado will be Luke Weaver. Boy, you can see how much, unless you have like a ridiculous rotation like the Dodgers, losing one guy at the top just slides everybody into a position where they probably shouldn't be. Like, I like Merrill Kelly. I don't necessarily love him as my number two starter. When I heard that, I, I immediately wondered, if Zach Gallon was healthy right now, would Luke Weaver even be in the rotation? Would yeah. Taylor Widener be in the rotation? Right. No, I mean, probably not. It's not even Taylor Clark. It's Taylor Widener. No, a lot of Taylors. We've, we've gone, yeah, we've got a couple Taylors deep I feel like one. Luke Weaver probably would have been because they need to see what he's got. They have. Because yeah, two years ago, he was really good. Yeah, and he got injured, and it's never been the same. Yeah. I don't know. Where do you, confidence level with that rotation before we wrap up? I mean, it can't be, it can't be much higher than like a, what is my scale? No, <laughs> one to ten? <laughs> yeah, let's go one to ten. Probably around a five or a six. Yeah, I, I think I would have given it like a six if they had Zach Gallon. But, yeah, but not having. I'm with you. I think Madison Bumgarner is going to bounce back after having a normal, relatively normal spring training. I think Merrill Kelly is a good pitcher. I, I, I'm, I agree with you. I don't think he is a number two starter, but. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens when Gallon comes back. I think Bumgarner's going to pitch well enough this season where we would all have been really comfortable with like, hey, this guy was a, just a really solid number two starter. And I think Zach Gallon would have taken over as the number one. They still would have been in a tough division. There's still not a whole lot of you know consistency behind those two. But to not have Gallon, and we don't know exactly how long that's going to be. That's obviously a huge question mark going into the season. All right, it's going to do it for us. It was good to be back here tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. Thanks to you for listening. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been The Rundown on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.